Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. you got to start paying your guys. you got to stop this nickel and dime stuff, and you got to start charging appropriately. We are an industry that, have been, had, that has been subsidizing auto repair for our clients for years, and we've been doing it on the backs of our vendors and our technicians, and it's time for it to stop. Hey, everybody. David here, and welcome to the ASOG podcast. In this episode, we welcome back Jeff Compton, who joined us for episode 33. He felt that he left a lot of topics on the table in his last episode, and so we try to hash out a few more things in this one. We're also joined by industry coach Rick White of 180Biz. Rick was on our very first episode of the podcast and has been featured on several Ask Me Anything YouTube videos, which you can check out on our YouTube channel. And also, just a short caveat on this episode, before you send me any angry emails, just know I personally was not talking about any one person specifically. So, if you have any complaints, send them to Lucas directly. But before we begin, please take a moment to hit that like button if you're on YouTube. It's quick and it helps out a ton, it really does. If you like our content, consider subscribing to the channel. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast listening app, make sure that you're set to automatically download the latest episode so you never miss an upload. And now, here we go. I lost track of time. <laughs> oh, you're good, buddy. Yeah. You're good. I, I appreciate so, the patience, though. So, um, Jeff. I expect to be compensated for my time. This uh, is like flat rate. <laughs> David, I'll send you something from Canada. If you give me your, <laughs> give me your address and I'll send you. Whether, I'm gonna get, yeah, I'm going to get a rotten fish. I, hey, I caught no, no. this last week. <laughs> no, it'd be, I caught this last week. It's fresh from Canada. Enjoy. It, <laughs> it could be. I'll say this. It could be real beer versus the stuff you may choose to drink there. Um, it'll a be real maple, maple leaf. Yeah, it'll be real maple syrup, not that. Ooh, you should send me maple syrup. Yeah, not the stuff you get in Vermont. That's just like 
that's the stuff that nobody would eat in Quebec, and we sold it to them. Really? <laughs> You're throwing shade uh, at I'm, Vermont. I'm a proud Canadian. Like, there's, you know, so, um, yeah, it's it's just been, you know, there's a lot happening around here at the moment, so. No worries at all. So, you know, Jeff, here's the deal. We had you on for an episode. Yeah, yeah. And you talked about a lot of things, and we talked about the fact later that you felt like there were some things that you didn't feel like you said that you wanted to say. And we talked about some of those things. And as everybody that listened to that episode knows, you've we played didn't a talk big about part. those things. That was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but you've be- played a big part in my thought process about how we treat technicians. Right. Yeah. And then you've also got Rick over here who also played a big part in how I treat technicians and, and my thought process. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how cool would it be to bring everybody together? Yeah. Right. And, and let you share some of those thoughts you have with Rick, who has listened to your episode. And I think he's got some thoughts. So if you've got your list, why don't you mention the first thing on your list? So what we kind of touched on last time, but we didn't really, uh, you know, open it all up was the idea of um, the culture of mentorship and how I think, you know, in, and again, David, I'm not trying to, you know, say that everything needs to be regulated, but just the difference of, you know, up here where we have such a, an established um, apprenticeship program, and then it becomes an actual recognized uh tradesperson, journey person, class, you know, red seal, whatever you want to call it, what we call it in Canada. Um, so there's a definite curriculum that has to, it's not just a, oh, I'm level whatever on ASE, right? It's just something that at least in every province, except for Quebec in Canada, you have to be certified, you know, pass a, a, provi- a provincial exam to say that I can, f- you know, competent enough to perform some repairs on cars, trucks, buses, you know, it's very varied. And I think that that, from the industry standpoint, I think that that has long been missing and needs to be done and should have been done across the industry. And I'm not, I'm speaking above ASE, right? Because I've never taken an ASE course. Uh, I've never taken one of their tests. I couldn't tell you, but I remember writing our tests up here and from what I've talked to people that have seen both, um, we are pretty much when we write the trade exam, as we call it in Canada, we are ASE certified level three, as from what I'm told, across the board. In, and so in fuel and electronics, you know, suspension, steering, brakes, air conditioning, uh, you name it, right? So... Does that mean that that's all the training that needs to be done? No, certainly not. But I think that we, uh, how do I say that? I don't think that that necessarily makes us better, but I can see how some of the the ailments that that pl- plague the industry in terms of inconsistency from facility to facility, we tend to avoid some of that because people know uh, that at least when I go there, the guy that is least owns the shop or is in charge has to have this certification done. Now that doesn't stop anybody that wants to open a repair facility from opening one. But like 
you know, the government will get involved if you're doing repairs without the proper license. They will do it um, up here. Um, now, it, it's there's loopholes and there's obviously work around. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Browns, um, but the apprenticeship program up here, I think, should be adopted across the industry. No question about it. I think that that's the, the only chance that we have of mentoring the next generation of tech is by having some kind of set standards that says we cannot call him or her a technician until they have completed this level of training and this level shown this level of competency in the bay till then you're just you're just a what we call an apprentice you're not a tradesperson and that's you know I hear lots of people all the time go, oh, in Canada, you guys have got it figured out. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, it's far from perfect. Far from perfect. Um, and what needs to be done is even more um, industry involvement in the curriculums of what's being taught to these kids. Because I'll tell you right now, like, you know, we've seen countless kids come in and go um, that get out of the, that have passed the test, completed the third intake that we call it in schooling, and they're still not ready for the shop floor. Um, they, so go ahead, go ahead. So Rick, what do you say to that? What, I mean, what, how, how do we counter that? You know, because you know, David is, is super opposed to any type of <laughs> regulation, if you will. Yes. H how do we, Rick, how do we, where's the middle ground? Well, you know, personally, I'm, I'm not sure there is, I think the middle ground if there is one, is first of all, understanding where we're at as an industry, at least in this country. And the reality is every shop is looking for a unicorn right now. They're looking for that diagnostic technician that can do everything. And, you know, the reality is, is that there are so few of them in our country. The average technician age is running about 50, 52 right now. Um, the intake rate, we're losing 
I think it's four techs for every one that's coming in right now. We're worse than that up here. We're worse than that. Yeah. And, and it's an issue. And part of the problem is every, you know, the, I like the, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this, everybody, somebody, anybody, nobody. And, and it starts off, there was an important job to be done and everybody was sure that somebody would do yes. it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Yeah. Right. And the reality is we have a real issue. And this is, I had a client call me today. Um, I, one of his techs has been with him almost a year. Former employer reached out to him, offered him $5 more an hour and a $5,000 signing bonus to come work for him. Wow. And and he's basically saying, how do I combat that? So we sat down, we came up with a plan and he says, what do I got to do? And I said, you got to start paying your guys. You got to stop paying. You got to stop this nickel and dime stuff and you got to start charging appropriately. You got to start, you know, we are an industry that have had, that has been subsidizing auto repair for our clients for years. And we've been doing it on the backs of our vendors and our technicians. And it's time for it to stop. I'm amazed that anybody still has to ask that question, Rick, honestly, as to why, what do I need to do to keep the person? Like, I mean, and I, 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 I'm labeled as somebody that's a little bit jaded and I'm cool with that. I'm okay. Um, Because like, you know, yes, I want to go to work every day and, and, you know, I like the challenge. I mean, I really enjoy the tech and the, and the challenge of, of taking something that doesn't work and repairing it, uh, you know. But, God, man, just pay the people what they're friggin' worth. Enough with the excuses on why you can't. Like, we've all, we're all done hearing it, you know. We're all done hearing it. That's kind of what the last podcast ended at. We're, we're not hearing it anymore. We as a collective, we're done. You know, it's not not my circus, not my monkey, man. Like if, you know, if you can't get the cars fixed because you can't good people, there are good people out there, but man, you got to poach them from someone else or you got to show them something that they're not getting. And and when you say, so you say your scenario to me today, immediately what popped in my head as I'm listening is, well, the numbers got to be $6 more an hour and $6,000 to stay. It's as simple as that. What I said is here's what you've got to do. I said, I want you to go up $10 an hour. On the door rate? On the door rate. And this guy gets paid hourly. He's not getting paid by the job. So it's $10 more an hour. Okay. And we're going to set some performance bonuses up above and beyond that so that as the guy works harder, he can make more. And do you cover health insurance right now? No. We're going to sit down and figure out how you're going to do health insurance for the guy too, because that's a big deal. So, you know, we're, we're playing with it a little different, but the reality is everybody's poaching and, and that's okay, but we think money's the only answer and it's not. And the problem with our industry, and I don't know about up in Canada, but the problem in our industry is the only feedback we ever get positive is a paycheck. And the only way we can measure value is when we get paid more. Now, I'm all for it, and I, Lucas will confirm this for me. I am a firm believer that technicians should be making a hundred to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. 
and and they should absolutely be doing it now. Relative they have to, work to, to the it. area that they live in, <laughs> what's that? Hundred thousand dollars a year in Alabama, like rural Alabama. I have clients. I have a client down in Jackson, Mississippi. His technician last year made one hundred and four thousand dollars. Okay, but like I'm talking like on the sticks of Mississippi. So they, they trust me. So can go can I go back to Rick when you said your your statement here, and this is what I'm trying to wrap my head around and not like blow my top over is when you said to them, well, let's put some production and performance bonuses in and get your tech working a little harder. I got to ask. So before he went and gave his notice or talked about the, the other offer, was the tech meeting all the demands that were expected of him? Was he like, I mean, he was on the lower, he was on the lower end. He was good, but and understand, and I need you to understand Jeff straight up because it's funny. They put Jeff versus Rick here. And I said, you know, I listened to Jeff's thing and I got to tell you, I'm more on Jeff's side than you guys yeah, think. Yeah, I don't think we're all so um, far apart, but it's... it's No, no, but here's the thing. The, the issue is I don't want him to work harder. I want to get it so that if he wants to work and make more, he has that ability to do it, right? Sure. And... And, and, and that I, I think everybody in a shop should be on a performance basis, not a full performance basis. And I want to make sure that that's understood. I don't believe in flat rate. I think that's a, uh, out antiquated, um, way of running a business because, uh, the owners didn't know how to manage people and they let the pay system do it for them. Yeah. So I'm not into, you know, flat rate, but I absolutely believe that everybody, including the bookkeeper, should have some kind of performance bonus in their in, in their compensation package so that they have some skin in the game and that there's something that they can do more of. I think that's important because human nature, when we're paid hourly in salary, it's unusual to see somebody push hard when they can make the same money and not push hard. And I don't mean push hard like work yourself to the bone. I'm saying No, but you mean your, do the extra produce. Do the extra to oh, okay. to go to, to produce. There's that stupid right? there's that word I don't like, Lucas. Um. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> but but ultimately we're here to produce uh, the shop is a factory and it's there to produce build hours. Sure it is. But if I was to come to you and say, Hey Rick, I gotta sit down with you for a minute and say, you know, and I'm coming to you employee to boss. You know, everything's good up till now, but I have this other offer on the table of five bucks more an hour plus $5. And you sit down and your counter offer to me is not necessarily, f- you know, a few bucks more an hour, but some kind of production bonus that sh- I'll tell you right now. And I'll speak for more than myself in the industry. You just lost us in the sense oh, that absolutely. Right. So absolutely. That's why, that's why I said you got to go up 10 bucks. Yeah, you got to go up ten dollars an hour, and we're going to add some more money in there if he wants it. He does want it. That's why he's there, right? He wouldn't be fielding other offers or looking at other places of employment because let's remember, we don't quit jobs just for money, right? There's lots oh, of other no. reasons we quit. But when you come to me and you know, or I come to you and say, "Hey, like I got this other offer," and you don't, you may not know that other shop. He could be like that. Could be you know, gravy train with biscuit wheels over there. Like he may not even have to. It may be tooled up better. It may have, it may not work a Saturday, right? It may come in and you work instead of working rotating shifts, you're now off every day at three versus every day at five. You know, you get to pick the kids up. 
I can give you a hundred different variables. So, but when you turn to me and you dangle this carrot at me going, okay, well, let me give you this. Let's talk skin for skin. Like you've got a $5 an hour offer. That's what you have to work with. It doesn't have to, you don't have to give them necessarily five, but from my standpoint as a tech, and I'm not not an owner, not a shop owner, I'm not a manager. That's what, let's talk Turkey right now. You know, that's where we're at. You have to, yes, put your door rate up. I, you know what? I'm not an owner, but I'll tell you right now. I think the easy answer for a lot of shop problems is put your door rate up. Put your door rate up because it's mostly about money, right? Either we we lost on this job, or you know this piece of equipment just set us back, or this subscription to this entered. Put your door rate up. If you've got that kind of you know, and I listened to David and Lucas talk with so many different people last week, and they all said the same thing. When you have that right clientele. Price isn't the the you know the the be all and the the breaking factor right there. It's the trust, that's the relationship, it's the culture you've developed. But when you're talking with the the tech and you're the owner, he's or she is your employee. Let's not get it twisted. This new generation, it's about the money. I mean, I like what I do. I want to go to work and work with people that I enjoy being around because I'm with them more than my family. But like don't dangle a carrot at me for talk about production and performance bonuses when I'm coming to you with another offer that somebody wants me bad. Don't yeah, you, but you, Jeff, you can Jeff, do it. Listen, man, you got to hear what I said first, right? The first thing I said is this is a guy that's getting paid hourly. He's getting paid $20 an hour. He gets a $25 offer. I said, go to 30 an hour. Yeah. He's still underpaid. That's what we did first. We're going to $30 an hour. Okay. And we're going to add some bonuses on the other end of it. Yeah. But just so you know, uh, Rick, I would go to that technician because I just offered him a ton of money and a sign on bonus or whatever the hell that is. I, I offered him and I said, now they're going to counter you with some ridiculous offer, but just remember they should have been paying you that from day one. Amen. They, they should they have undervaluing you, meaning that they are going to slight you some other way. I'm just going to plant that seed. In there. I never got so offered. Call me. I never got offered. I never even got offered close to the money that I was worth till I was giving my notice to when I was leaving. And that's a shame because a shame. here's the thing. One of the things that I see shops doing, and I've been talking to them about a lot now, is don't give incremental raises. Give replacement raises. And they go, what do you mean? I go, I, I go, okay, you got a guy you're paying 16 bucks an hour to. I'm just pulling numbers out of the air. Yeah. And, you know, he goes and gets a job somewhere else. And now you're going to, you're going to need to replace him and you're going to be paying $25 an hour. Yeah. Just give the $16 an hour guy 25 bucks an hour. He's going to be happy as a pig and crap. And you're going to keep him. Uh-huh. And you've got to get it so they're not poachable. And you're going to do that in four areas. I call it CBCR. The first area is compensation. The second area is benefits. Third area is conditions. And the last is reputation. That's where you've got to learn to attract and retain people in those four areas. And you've got to have a well-rounded strategy that's going to do that. And you've got to be able to have the colones to charge appropriately Because one of the issues we have is we're not charging enough per hour. And the second is we're not charging enough hours so that we are allowing the tech to do the job that they're supposed to do. Yep. True. So 
That's why I said, Jeff, I think we're a lot closer than you think. I am an advocate. We need to do different. We need to do better. The days of running a shop like 1970 is so outdated. It doesn't work. We've got to be able to take care of our people. I wouldn't ask them to do anything that I wasn't willing to do. And and here's the thing. As the owner of the shop, I will do some stuff and maybe I'll do that on my dime. But I would never, ever ask anybody, like if I went out and I said, hey, we're going to change the headlight out in that car. I, you know, Jeff's a great, you know, great client. Go change his headlight. And I give you a pat on the back. You don't walk out of my shop with a pat in the back. You get an invoice. And the invoice shows you the headlight so I can relieve inventory because that's the problem with the cash sales. Those guys were pocketing the cash. Sure they are. Of course. Okay. Yep. But here's the thing. I would, I would have an invoice. It would have the headlight on it. And it would have the time to pay the tech to do it right? It would give him credit for that time because I'm giving something away doesn't mean he should. And that's been too many problems, Rick, with this those P words that I hate to be even used. I wish you'd all, like, if you want to replace it, like I said in the last podcast, replace it with proficiency because it's been too many times when you say, well, the tech has to produce this, the tech has to produce that. And, you know, and, and I've, I've worked both ways. I've worked flat rate where it's like, once you hit this hour, you know, you roll up the next $2 an hour. Do you know how many hard it was for to get that last hour? And do you think that it was just by luck? It wasn't. They're watching what you do every day in some places. And they're going, I don't want that bugger to get 50 because then he rolls up to 26 an hour. I'm going to keep him right at 49. So he. Homie, I, I, I hate to tell you. But running a shop is too damn hard to even think about watching like that. Your owners, I mean, and, and on, I suppose they're. But Lucas, you got to remember bigger operations. Yeah. They bigger have operations. people just to do that. Yeah. But here's the thing, Jeff. Honestly, we're, I think we're talking, if we're going to compare what I'm going to call affectionately and professionally scumbags. Right then we got a problem because we're never going to be able to get them. I mean, the best thing we got to do when we realize we're working for a scumbag is leave. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I went to work. You can understand, Jeff. I My dad had a shop, so I grew up in the industry. I was taking carburetors apart when I was seven. I was rebuilding transmissions at 17. Um, and I've been on both sides. Right. So I know what it's like. You know, I don't think technicians should have to supply their own tools today. I think the shop should be supplying them. See, I like that answer. And that's another thing that I had in my notes that I've been kind of getting from people since I've been fielding these questions. Because they're both on crack. Well, no, but think about it, right? <laughs> Lucas and I kind of like talked about this last week. You want me to buy your ratchets? No. Your ratchets? No. I yes. Here's the, here's the thing, <laughs> David. Yes. And here's why. Because in this country in 2016 or 2017, they can't even deduct them anymore. I still can. <laughs> they they can't deduct their tools from their taxes. So up here, yeah, up, up in Canada as an apprentice, you can. As a tradesperson in an automotive sector trade, uh, you're supposed to be able to, but good luck actually getting the money. Um, and I don't know why there's all kinds of conspiracy theories about that, but I can I can show you guys a hang drywall to buy themselves three new screw guns and you know a couple tape measures a year and get all that paid back. And I can show you a text that, oh, you're supposed to be able to claim X amount of dollars every year. And you claim it, you get the money, and then they want the money sent back six months later because of some filing nonsense. So do you just roll that in as a, uh, 
as part of your benefits. Would you call that the CBCR, right? CBCR, yeah. Yeah. So does that become part of the B is, hey, part of or the... Maybe, maybe it's condition. To, what's that? Maybe it's the conditions. In other words, hey, you're not going to have to worry about tools. Put your toolbox, bring your toolbox home. I've got a toolbox here that's equipped, better equipped than yours, I guarantee you. And... Yeah, but You're some gonna of these sign- guys want to buy, like, they, it, it, the argument from my technicians has been, I want to have my own tools. In other words, I, I want the flexibility. I get it. They're not trying to leave, I don't think, but whatever. Like, I, I get it. If I were a technician, I'd want my own stuff. I don't want you buying my stuff. I want my stuff. But at the same time, I understand. I can't deduct the $10,000 a year I'm going to drop in tools. That's a problem. It is. But I, and, as the shop owner, can absolutely deduct that $10,000. Absolutely. I probably yes. need it. And so, but now it needs to be a different conversation. I'm thinking out loud at this point here because I need to implement something like that in my shop. Now, so this is what we do now, just so you know. I want my guys to have their own like scan tools, right? I bought, the, the last thing I just bought is a... Uh, uh, the Autel uh, 919. I bought it for one of my techs who was wanting uh, that or the Ultra back and forth, this, that, and the other. I bought him, I bought him the scan tool, but here's the conditions, right? The conditions is oh, if I fire you or you quit, you have to pay most of it back. And, and every month you, you essentially get a, uh, a chunk of it like written off. Right. What, what, what's the word? Why can't I think of the word? It's an incentive. No, no. There's a word for it. <laughs> oh, can I think of the word? Oh, that's going to bother me. Um, he owns a, a, like a 12th of the scan tool every month that goes by. Right. So over the next year, that scan tool is mine. And, but a 12th of it is his after the first month and then two 12ths and then the three 12ths. Now, if I fire him, he has a choice of either paying me, paying the school, the, the scan tool off. I essentially become the tool truck guy. He can pay the scan tool off and keep it, or he has to turn it in. Like it's mine. And so it's his choice. The incentive is you don't quit and I, and don't do anything that would cause me to want to fire you. That's the incentive. In the meantime, the guy gets to have the scan tool. I get the benefits of him using and learning the scan tool. Sure. And the scan tool will eventually be uh, be his to, to keep. So he'll have paid off full market value of it by the time it's worth 50%. He doesn't make any payments. This is just time. Right. He's not paying me for it. I've, I'm writing the sucker off. It's entirely <sighs> my write-off. Which, my scan tool which you would get. Until he's. Yeah, which you would get that write-off regardless. I would get the I'm I'm getting the write-off. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting the write-off. Yeah. I paid cash for the thing. So I'm getting the write-off. And he has but to decide he's gonna work for David Roman for the next year. For the next twelve months. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, maybe in three or four months it becomes some other purchase. Yeah. But we, then I'm tying the guy to my shop. Like yeah. he's not leaving. So the only thing something else that needs to buy. The only thing similar but why do we but why do we have to tie him to the shop like that? Well, because you just invested in a tool for them, and now you want to keep them. Just like it's like when we send these poor buggers to training, we don't want to train them because they might go to the competition, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the worst part is, Jeff, they they don't get training and they stay. I know. I've heard that line too, right? Yeah, but it, yeah. yeah, I've heard that line too, but the guys are banging out suspension work. And so what does a shop owner care? Like, I don't want them to learn ADOS. Yeah. And so what am I going to send him to ADOS class for? The guy's banging out brakes and suspension. The guy because wants to learn to- ADOS. The guy wants to learn it. 
but the shop owner doesn't see any value in it. And if I do spend the thousand dollars or whatever to send them to ADOS class, uh, well, what's David friend's class, uh, cost to uh, Lucas. Do, do you remember? It's like two or three grand. Yeah, and the guy walks grand. away with tools, but uh, I'm saying it's a, it's a sizable investment Sure, a- and they have to travel to wherever it is that the class in North Carolina. So you're sending this guy, he's going to be out of your shop and, and he's going to, and you got to pony up the cash or whatever. And then the guy a month later bails. And so in the meantime, you could just stay here. I'm paying him 20 bucks an hour or whatever. And he's banging out suspension and, and brake jobs. Like, why am I going to pony up the cash now? However, if we come up with a plan and say, yeah, you can absolutely keep that trade box. You can absolutely, and I will buy you this other piece of equipment too. But over the next 12 months, you're going to earn that, that back and it'll be yours in 12 months. It'll be your free and clear. Now you were like, well, yeah, I want you to learn the class. I want you to, or the equipment. I want you to learn how to use that scan tool. I just bought you that lab scope. I just bought you that $6,000 lab scope. I want you to use it. I want you to use it to become better at doing your job in my shop and die out cars more quickly and, and efficiently. So I'm going to dump the extra 600 or $1,000 or whatever into, into the, uh, into the technician and training that that makes sense in my head but but see i understand i understand the the angle uh that's going on here and that's like so you entice them with tools and training tools that they get to keep tools that are you know essentially they're in their now personal possession but if they're still an employee of yours right it's still for your utilization for your benefit um there are you have to realize that there are some techs out there that like, I don't want to, you know, invest in extra tooling. Like you can entice me with, oh, that's like, you know, that tool. I don't. It it has no in, enticement for me, right? If you really want to knock my knickers up, like send me some extra money or show me something at the end of the year. Like here's a five hundred dollar, you know, gift card every three months for Bass Pro Shops, right? Like that's. You got to remember, like some of us, we don't just eat, breathe and sleep this stuff anymore. We might Absolutely. have, but it's, it's, so I understand David and, and it's a, it's a, I wouldn't hire a non-tool junkie. You kidding me? It's a commendable <laughs> thing that you're doing. I'm not disputing I'm just that. You, you wouldn't come work for me. You're like, oh, fishing equipment. It's like, I, okay, great. I enjoy it, your fishing equipment. I'm going to go geek out on these labs. It took David. It took me 25 years to be able to, when I walked out of there at five o'clock, shut it off and find another passion that actually made me smile more and people that have known me and know me a long time know that i have if there's one thing i have for this industry it's passion but i've always been for the since people have started to know me in it know that i'm jaded for a lot of different reasons so it doesn't it doesn't blow my skirt up anymore to say here here's a new scan tool here's a new scope like all that is good for getting the job done but let's let's cut the shit here it's your job Right, it's your Here's job. Here's the thing, Jeff. If I can jump in for a second, sure. it's like buying your wife a washer for your anniversary. Yeah, I'm I, sorry, I'm not married. Okay. <laughs> so, well, hey, listen. If you, it's very uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, if you on, ever do, no, 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 no. There are young men listening to this podcast for Christmas. I'm just saying, I get cooking wear. Like, I enjoy pots and pans. I get excited. Here's a new knife. 
Ooh, that's a nice knife. I'm excited <laughs> about the knife. Yeah, but that's but that's a passion that you have, and that's okay. Yeah. But here's the thing: different people are going to get ramped up by different things. Look, I was looking to get, um, and I don't know what you mean by proficiency, Jeff. So I was looking, and I had two techs that were doing really well. A third tech who had the tech now, tech the capabilities, but wasn't. He was getting to a certain point and then stopping, um, and money was not a driver for him. Right, tools were not a driver for him, but he loved the outdoors. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I said, "Hey, man, let's put a goal together, and if you hit the goal, I'll give you a day off, paid, give you a long weekend, so you can go hunting or fishing, whatever you want to do. How do you? What do you think?" And literally in one month, he was up with the other two guys because there's this thing called ROE. It's return on effort. If they don't see a return on the effort, they're not going to do it. Nobody will. No, for sure. You know, so it's getting to understand the people. And that's the thing that we've got to stop doing. We've got to stop thinking of people as production. And we've got to start seeing human beings. And and so when we talked about this is an interesting conversation here when we talk about and it just we seem to jump all over it right away or jump past it was, okay, you got a tech that's coming to you to leave. You know, now you're going to hire them. We never talk about the reason why we're faced with that so much in this industry, why that person is leaving. Like, I always feel like whenever I listen to the industry experts and insiders and all this kind of stuff go on and on about people that are leaving, we always talk about how do we get the next one? How do we, you know, entice that person to not leave? Because I got X amount of hours in training and tooling and, you know, I just got, I, I, I hornswoggled him into getting this, you know, scope in his toolbox, but really he uses it for me all day long. Um, like, why do we have to, when are we going to start looking at the issues as to why they're taking it home and play with it? So, well, you, so you want your, your tech taking tooling home? Yes. It's his, it's his lab scope. As long as he stays worse. What, by the way, the word is vested. And he vested, will be fully yes. vested after 12 months. So and that lab scope will be his. But, but in the meantime, it is absolutely his lab scope. I'm letting him treat it as my uh, as his lab scope. I've got a tech who takes a sucker home. He's got audio equipment. He does like DJing on the weekends and stuff. He's got audio equipment. Guess what he does? He plays with the lab scope, hooking, hooking it up to the audio equipment to tune it, to rebuild it. Like he's into that stuff. He geeks out on that kind of thing. He's into tools. I'm just saying, like Rick, I understand the whole outdoors thing, but you know, I, I'm a very simple person. I like things simple. I think, but my point, and my point with that was, I wouldn't hire a non-tool geek. I want tool geeks working for me. <laughs> uh, if I I want to fix it the the most efficient, uh, simplest way possible, right? And I think what so getting back to what I'm trying, my point is. Like, yes, so that tooling is great for that guy. At the end of the day, what we all need is money in order to get off on what we want to get off on, right? Whether it's like if you want to if you want to buy a bunch of expensive chef knives and totally geek out in your kitchen, if I want to go and buy, you know, a new Ranger bass boat and upgrade the, you know, I want to put $10,000 worth of electronics on it so that I can actually find more fish in the weekends that I'm fishing, that's, I do that with money. I don't do that with you know, uh, shop equipment. I don't do that with, well, you know, he pays me a little less than the competition, but look at all these great tools that I have. 
that are in the That's shop. If you're to use. into tools, I well, hold on, hold on. I'm going to throw Rick's like thing right back at you. What if you walked up to your wife and instead of buying her a $500 piece of jewelry, you just handed her 500 bucks and say, get yourself something nice for her birthday. Like there's no, there's no thought put behind it. Like Jack's correct. not married. He doesn't know that would end up. Well, I get a, it, but like divorce, that, you know, he doesn't get that. Uh, there's, there's something to the effort <laughs> and the time to get to know the person and say, Hey, what is it that I know you would want? and is important to you and it, it just just for a few of my guys it happens to be tools they like tools and that and that's, one guy he could care less i haven't got him anything but he's like he could care less if i handed him a lab scope if it was a six thousand dollar lab scope he'd be like oh this is nice so how do you he how do you care. compensate him then because he's different from the other two or do you not bother because he's not a tool geek like the other yeah two? he's a freak and we make fun of him the entire day God, I hope he doesn't get poached by one of your competitors then. No chance. You kidding me? He tells me every day. I'll never leave this shop. And if I do, it's because I'm leaving the industry. Okay. I I mean, and that it's, there's so many different ways we can do this. I know like I, he wants a welder, by the way, that's what he wants. Yeah. He doesn't care about the lab scope. He wants a welder. Years ago, I heard, and I've never been, so I can't confirm that in Europe, it's much more that when they start out in the industry or the trade over there, um, that it's it's the it's the shop's responsibility, even basic hand tools. And I, I can't confirm that because I've never been, but I have heard more than one person tell me that, oh yeah, like over in the UK, like you're you don't have a basic tool set. Like you literally walk in and they there's a you know go lift the bonnet over on that jag there, and then there's a set of tools and it's. I mean, it's how they want all the high-end Euro dealers to go, right? Where it's everything is um, uh, uniform and the tools are all there. Like, I know that's already being implemented on the high-end stuff. Because, again, going back to that, everything being uniform from one dealer, whether it's in Anchorage or Alabama, right? They want it to appear the same. Um, so I don't know. The, the idea that I think these kids now, man, like, they don't geek out on, on tools the way the previous generation seemed to. Uh, I work with, you know, kids that are much younger than myself by 10 years and closer to 20 years. And I can remember when I was their age, you know, it all had to be a certain brand and it all had to be. And now they want to spend as little as possible on tools because they want to, they want a house, you know, they want, they want a car. Like I drove, I'd still drive junk and I've always driven junk because by the time I paid for my tools, I couldn't make a car payment. So we'd always laugh when we'd have these young apprentices come in to the industry and work in the dealership, work in the shop, and they were making a car payment at 21. And then he'd be coming around, he'd be borrowing your tools, and we're like, uh, sorry, sucker. Like, you know, see my old turd box out back? That's why I have the tools is because, you know, I ain't driving your car. Can I go drive your car around the parking lot for an hour while you borrow my tool? Like, that's the kind of stuff that, I've seen the industry change in its perception, <laughs> you know, cause we don't, I don't, hilarious, I don't geek out on it. I really don't, man. I do not geek out. I geek out on the, on uh, proficiency being aptitude, the ability to fix something. I get turned on by that, but I don't like, if I'm looking at Paul Danner, fix something, I don't notice the brand of tool that he's using. Like I'm just, I'm just glued to what Paul Danner's doing. Right. Or Mario or, you know, um, Brandon or, Matthew Scundrich or anything. like, I don't, I don't care what the, I'm just looking at the tech that's going on. 
being done, the proficiency that he's exhibiting when he's fixing that repair. I don't care what he does it with. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I don't ooh and ah and glitch and, oh, look at the Pico versus I, that stuff puts me to sleep, honestly. Like, you know, that it's it's all part of getting to the end result, which is getting the car fixed in an efficient manner. But I don't geek out about that anymore. You know, guys with big shiny toolboxes and all, like, you're compensating dude for something <laughs> honestly or i look at that and it's sad because it's like you know he might have all that buy a toolbox with 17 inch rims he or right he's now. probably Not got a huge one. toolbox and he fishes <laughs> and he fishes out of a dinghy that's that's how i, I don't know what that is a dinghy well a kayak <laughs> or here's let's make it worse david and say he's he fishes from shore because he doesn't have a boat <laughs> right i don't have a boat either yeah. well it's not for everyone like there you go. You know, but I, I just, I think that's, that's the one key thing I've seen difference is it's, it's getting harder for these, the new people into the industry I found to get them to invest in the tooling to become a, a good tech. Well, that's Rick's argument. He's saying, well, you're not going to invest in the tooling as an employee. The shop's going to provide it all for you. We want your brain. We want your work ethic we but want your personality but my that's what we're hiring but my product your ability to buy your own tools but my pro- my production if it relies on the shop's tooling and that that tooling has holes how does that reflect my production like uh, you know i've worked at a shop where we used to smash wheel bearings in because they wouldn't buy a bearing press like a bearing buddy you know, uh, like I've countless things. Uh, we don't have a welder that works. So how do you do an exhaust manifold? I'm not making this stuff up. Like this is the truth, right? And then when you would say to them, and I know that, the, well, that's an owner issue. That's not a tech issue. But hear me out with this, right? If you're now judging the production of what he took him to do that job, and there's holes in the tooling that you provide your tech, see how the numbers then get still twisted. Yeah. To, uh, to, what's the happy medium to that there, Rick? Because if you're supplying all the tools, there's holes in the tooling. The technician, I've had this situation come up. The technician yeah. walks up and says, I need this $700 tool. And you're like, you really can't figure out a way to do this job without the $700 tool. And they're like, no. And maybe you do need the $700 tool, but sometimes eh, but you don't see, need the 700 I, I can find a workaround, but then it's going to take longer. And then does that affect my production? Because at the end of the day, my proficiency stayed the same. I'm I'm accentuating the piece to to help you guys. Um, you know the proficiency stays the same in the sense that I got the car fixed, I got the repair done, the customer's happy, but the production took a nosedive because we didn't have that tool. I found a worker. I did it last week. I did a Ram, you know, rear rear wheel bearings in a 5500 Ram. Uh, we didn't have the seal driver. It took me an hour to go through the shop and find something fab it up that I could drive that seal in. Right, so we didn't have it. Could I've gotten it? Yeah, three days from now. Like that doesn't work. It's sitting there tying up a bay and it needs to get done. Um, you know, it, that, that hour, does that come off my production? Like yeah, at the end of the month, when does. we look at his production or her production, does it come off because he spent that hour? It's not Rick's fault. As an example, Rick, I'm not picking on you that he didn't have that tool because no one else in the shop did right. First time for us. But how does that, so the, the whole tooling thing and the production thing, that's just dangling carrots, boys. Like talk to, talk Turkey, what you're going to pay me and I'll fit, I'll, I'll find your workarounds. I'll fix your stuff, man. But the harder, you know, the problem, more problem solving you want, the more money goes in. 
it's just like a machine, boys. You know, you want the really complex stuff solved, you got to pay for it. Got to pay for it. You get what you pay for. We used to say that I lived and died by that in a dealership. That was my, I was that jerk. Because if there was no time on the ticket, there was no work he done by the techie. It's you get what you pay for. And and people hated that. But I could be that guy that, you know, like when everyone else had given up on it, I could fix it. But you were going to make it worth my while. And you weren't going to talk to me about production. And you weren't going to talk because we're going to talk about aptitude. We're going to talk about competency. And we're going to talk about proficiency. We're not going to talk about production or performance bonuses. Fly away with that nonsense. Let's 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 flip the script and change the culture in the trade, in the industry, to stop thinking about them as they are just a number on a spreadsheet and that what they turned for the shop was what we based their pay on. Forget that nonsense. Forget it. He has got a base, or she has got a base set of qualifications and a base set of tools. They're worth $32 an hour to start. If you can't make the money to pay them for that, eight hours a day, that's the management problem. And that's the business problem. It's not the tech's problem, right? You get the work done. You get the tooling done. You have all the other logistics in place. So, the work will get done. So let me ask you a question, though. Sure. Shoot. Because because you're a unicorn, right? You you don't, you're you're the exception, not the rule. In household how, how is this a How is a, a shop owner supposed to handle someone who, um, who isn't uh, coming in and and being productive? Who isn't coming in? We're paying them really well, mm-hmm. and and they're not producing like they should be. Right? You you're, you're paid for forty hours for that week, and you're paid this really great salary, and you come in and you turn eighteen hours, and you say, "Nah, uh-huh. it's because that job was really tough." Yeah, but it, again, if the if the tech is always on his phone, or he takes lots of cigarette breaks, or you know, lunch is, uh, you know, lunch clocking in and out is just a suggestion. He's gone for an hour and a half. Like I, I've worked with guys like that. Right. And they didn't turn a whole lot of hours. Um, but they were also, they were not that's, hourly. That's Lucas's point though. Right. I, I think that's a larger percentage of the technicians out there. How much of the, the quote unquote, you know, problem in, in the industry with technicians, how much is, is that self-inflicted? Well, I think it, you can play, well, you can place. Lots of blame on the shop owners. Don't get me wrong. I think Don't this is unfortunately that either. Boy, but, boys, I think this is what you got to pick from. I hate to say it, right? The new gen. Well, that, that's the new. But that's gen- our point, though. Like you, <laughs> a lot of these guys are coming in wanting to get paid for their potential, not their production. Right? Hey, I'm going to be good. Okay, great. And the guy that is is being stolen. That Rick, the example that Rick gave earlier, yeah. that shop that he was advising on. I guarantee you he overstated his abilities to that other shop that they're willing to pay him a bajillion dollars plus this huge sign-on bonus to jump ship. They're desperate. But the minute, the minute that things level off and all of a sudden that guy's not meeting certain production numbers because he overstated his abilities, that guy is gone and he will go back to the shop. Look, I heard this, uh, a very prominent coach, it wasn't you, Rick, but a very prominent coach said, (laughs) everybody's worried about the technician shortage. Don't worry. The minute the economy turns down and these dealerships can't fill the bays up, they're going to start cutting guys left and right. And you're going to have a pick of whoever you want. 
because the only person they're going to be be keeping at these dealerships is the absolute complete and total irreplaceable guys do you remember when but we talked only one out of 26 the other 25 gone do you remember the last so do you remember our last podcast when we talked about that and the, and the guys that left the industry they left the dealers right they didn't do it's not like when the guys out of the dealer when they leave a lot of them don't like i'm i'm a unicorn for more reasons than not a lot of guys when they leave the dealer they don't go to an independent i mean some do and they they're great techs but a lot when they reach that kind of upper echelon and there's a management or an owner switch or something like that they may jump brands they may like but a lot of them they get out of the industry because it's a lot of that for the dealer right if you're looked after a lot of them up here at least my reality you're at the top of the pay scale in a dealer so if that goes away or all of a sudden it, enough's enough you've had it you don't go and look for a different brand to work on you don't go and work for let's go find billy bob's tire barn and look he had a you know an, a, an ad run last week um you you might go do something else um i good friend of mine tim a tech named tim is is out he is a gm certified master tech he's out of the industry he's had enough he's done right the last that i mentioned the guys that went to the goodyear plan around here they're gone they out they don't want no more of it so yes you can your 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 trainer or whatever your coach that tells you when the dealerships do this I'm not waving that dealership flag, but man, that's that's some pipe dream stuff going on there when he says that that's going to be that he's going to flood the aftermarket. And let me tell you, when he does flood the aftermarket, should it happen with what you're going to get, you're going to get... He's basing it off of 2007, 2008 when there was a downturn. Yeah, it's different. Because that's what happened. Well, that I went through that downturn 2007, 2008. It left me jaded. And I can tell you the next generation that's coming up... I can't tell. In, Jeff, no, I, can't tell. I, I hide it well. <laughs> Um, in 2020 and 2021 and, uh, you know, post COVID, the new air quotes norm, um, these guys are not, the guys are not going to be what you used to have, right? Like you got to remember, I'm a guy that I've come in and I'm paid hourly. And uh, if I come in and there's no work, you'll see me start to itch. And it's like, okay, how do I get out of here? I could be wet in a line right now. And there, so it's not just like, we're all addicted to fishing, but there are people that literally like. We manage um, to, you know, find a way without the money. So if the work is there, we're there. But if the work's not there, it hurts our uh, optimism to be there when there is no work. So that's why okay. a lot of guys quit the dealers because they just get they get the boredom, the boredom. You know, can I? Well, can I, I I'm I want to jump in. Sure. I've been Sorry, listening Rick. for we, a while. Yeah, that's all right. Um, so. Dealers are much better in our in our country for recruiting technicians, Huge. for recruiting people that are interested in technicians, Huge. being a technician. They put them through some training, and the training is usually pretty decent. And then what happens is they stink them, they stick them in a quick lube bay, and they keep them there for three years. And then the guys quit the industry yep. because they've had such a negative. Um, they've such had such a negative experience with the dealership and they figure uh, that's it. But I'm telling you that there are independents that run their job, their shops better than dealers so in let our me, country. Let me tell you how it comes up here in, in Canada. We have in Ontario, at least where I am, um, we have incentives from the government to hire on apprentices. 
So actually they'll subsidize like 40 to 60% of their wages to hire an apprentice in the automotive power trade right now. That's how much of a, so what do they do with that? They hire that kid and do exactly like the dealer does. They put them at a tire machine or they put them on a lube rack. So now instead of not only making enough money off your door rate to cover his wages all day long, you get 60% more to put in your pocket for subsidy for the government. And did you did you create through your culture of your business a better tech? Heck no. But you, you put that money in your pocket. So, you know, it's at least the dealerships that I have been exposed to, and we see it in the industry all the time, at least they have a recruiting budget that says we need to go and get these kids out of high school. You know, even if we're selling them all smoke and mirrors, but we need that body and we go out and get that and we recruit them and, you know, we dangle and carrot, but we get them like the, the aftermarket. You guys dropped the ball so many times years ago on that. It's just like you, agree. you literally thought I you could throw agree. a rock out in the street and hit a kid with a tool with a toolbox and a lunchbox, one in each hand. And he could come farm in kids, and, right? and that's what you said the last, yeah, podcast, and he last could, podcast farm kids <laughs> and he could work for you and he could get the job done. Lucas, 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 I got a question what? for you. I got a question. So I hired this apprentice, right? Yeah. Uh, he's, he's finishing up school in August. He's done. Mm-hmm. He went through his year program or whatever. Right. And I've, I've got him doing tires. I've got him doing some very minor inspections or some portion of it. I've got him doing some oil changes. He helps the other technicians occasionally if they've got, Hey, I need an extra set of hands or I can, you know, start tearing apart this, this, uh, this wheel or whatever, whatever happens to me. Um, and then he moves my cars at the end of the day for me. So <laughs> my fear, well, he's got to move the cars like that. Hey, I'm paying you to sometimes just watch, like just move my cars anyway. So my fear in letting him loose. So I want to ask you what you did with Bridget, because mm-hmm. my fear in letting him loose on a brake job or gaskets or whatever is that I can't have him on pay customer pay work without knowing that that job is going to be done properly. Not necessarily quickly, I understand. That's going to take five years before he gets uh, fast enough to do that anywhere near book time. He's got to do it several times. But. Sorry, something in my throat. (laughs) (laughs) But but he's got to practice. Like my idea right now is. There's a way to do it. Right. And huh. and I'm telling you, it works perfectly. It works beautifully. I'm sticking um, them on my loaners. That's what I'm doing. It's like, hey, do that gasket on that loaner. Because no, he can screw no, that no. up left and right. And the, the loaner will be down. Great. I've got four others. So why Look, can I interject? Why don't you put him with your top diagnostic guy? If you have a top guy, or if you've got all and have him shadow that guy, because let's cut. Let's let's be real. That's the future, right? No, 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 no. Well, you, you, know, you still, still got to do gaskets. Gaskets pay the You still got it wrong. You still got it wrong. You still got it wrong. That's what I'm asking. That's what I'm asking. Okay. Here's how this works. And here's how it's very, very effective. You take your most experienced technician. And your most experienced technician stands back and watches your apprentice do the work. No, don't do that. Do this. Here. Let me show you how to do this. Yes. You're going to do it, yes. but let me show you how to do this. Now you want to take this loose. Now he's got to be paid for it. And if you want to give well, them both something. Be paid. So you're taking the, the technician who's saying, Hey, you're just going to shadow. You got to watch the entire process, make sure yes. it doesn't break anything. 
make sure he's doing everything safely, make sure you, you give him the tips and tricks, and you're essentially right. just doubling up on the yes. jobs. For the, especially for the first, you know, five or six months that they're actually working on cars, you know, with Bridget. Mm-hmm. That's what Eric did or Terry did is explained. Okay, now you do this. Now you do this. Now you do this. Then they stopped explaining yeah. And began to watch. That was my first three years. was almost every day like three that. Three years? Yeah. And well, because it was a different, like, I mean, my my first three years in the industry. Lucas, Lucas th- give me some hope here. Is this going to take me three years? It's going to take three to five years. Thank you, Lucas. Now, Thank hang, you. Lip. David. Hang on. Hang on. David, hang on, shut hang the on, I got to pause this for just a minute. Hang on. I got to pause this. First of all, I want to make sure we get to hear what Rick was going to say, yeah. because Rick was getting ready to say <laughs> something Rick. I really wanted to hear. <laughs> Secondly, oh, dude, I'm not going to argue with you guys. You guys do your thing. Secondly, there is a <laughs> no. We got you on in my to argue. That's the point. There's a versus in there. If there's no there's argument, not a ver- it's, it's like, not a versus. I'm, it's a it, false. It's solo. not, <laughs> Hold it's not up. a verse. I, it's listen. not a versus. I think, um, you know, some of the stuff, Dave, you do is kind of wackadoodle, and um, you know, <laughs> that's okay. You do you, and I'll do me, and we're you all do happy. You, boo-boo. <laughs> right. Um, you know, bottom line is I think, you know, we've got to stop looking for unicorns and we've got to start growing. Yes. And and the way we're gonna do that is through shadowing. Culture. And it's and and what you do is you set it up so and 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 here's the thing, Jeff, I understand your whole thing about hours, but as an owner, I've got to sell something. Now, I wanna make sure you understand I throw the labor guide out. I don't believe in it. Um, I I charge a rate for a job. I talk to my technicians before we do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we make sure that we're in a good place. Right. Now, but I got to sell hours. And I'm going to measure your performance on the hours you produce because that's the ruler I have. Yep. And I never had a problem. Okay. I never had a problem with the hours of my production when I could quote the job, inspect the job, and do the job. It was always when Every, somebody else took that away from me and I wasn't gouging customers, but it was always, you know, uh, what was that line? I forget who said it a couple weeks ago. And was, there's no good, there's no bad jobs, just jobs that are not po- quoted properly. Like correct. Yeah. That resonated with me to my soul. Like, cause that's so hold many. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That shop was under-equipped and it had they quoted, quote, quote, unquote, quoted it properly, they were penalizing the customer for being under-equipped. Okay. I could not do that. I'm eating that flash because I should have had the tool or I shouldn't have taken the job. Right. Well, and that's the other thing. Now, let me talk to you about communication because communication, communication in a shop sucks. It's terrible. Right? Terrible. And, and what happens is, you know, here's the typical thing. The, the, the tech, you know, gets a job and it says, um, Ford Mustang, no power. And the tech takes it for a ride and he finds out that it's uh, five speed and it's the clutch is slipping. So he goes back to the advisor and says, needs a clutch. So now the, ad- the advisor writes up an estimate, sells the job, and then is pissed five hours later because he sold it for five hours and the tech's taking seven to do it. Now. The reality is we're not talking to the tax. Mm-hmm. The tax should be coming to the advisor and saying, hey, man, I think it's going to take me seven hours to do this job. And the other thing he should be looking up is you should be telling the advisor every part that he needs to use. And the tech, if he doesn't know, should be if he's never done the job, should be looking it up to see if there are any special tools that are needed. 
And here's why I had a, I have a shop in Texas that I coach and he was doing a Porsche, working on a Porsche uh, engine. And it was a job they'd never done before, but nobody looked. He quoted the job at $1,100, figured he was going to make $600 profit until he found that he could take the part, the job apart, but he needed a $900 tool to put it back together. Sure. Yeah. And I said, great. How many of these are you going to do? And he said, one. So he lost $300 on the job because we didn't communicate properly. <laughs> because if you had realized that you needed a tool, you would have been better off to say, I'm sorry, I don't do this work. Let me send you to somebody that does. Yeah. Right. The other thing is there's a lot of, you know, we talk about, hey, a TPS is a TPS is a TPS. And I'm going to tell you, there's no two jobs that are the same. I don't care if it's the same year, same make, same model. It's not driven the same way. It doesn't go through the same environmental situations. Yep. There is no such thing as this, as the same job. So having that input from your technician and then being able to talk to them afterwards and say, hey, man, I'm quoting this out and it's coming out. You know, I got about five hours in this thing. Can you help me understand why it's seven? And we talk it through. Now that's where the magic starts to happen. It's so but there's there's not enough communication. But Rick, some of that communication, you'd be talking like at least a couple hours in the just prepping the job, like the prepping the estimate, right? Like, it, no, it's not that it's not really that bad. I, I can tell you that when I'm working with shops, we have a, we have one form that if they're using paper, we use that form and it does an amazing job uh, for the shop and the tech. Cause here's the thing. I'm all about helping shops get more profitable reduce stress and increase free time. Mm -hmm. But it is not just for the owner. It has to be for everybody on the team. There has to be a benefit for everybody on the team to step up and to improve because you got to look at a shop as like an organism. You can't have one cell of an organism start to eat more and exercise and stuff. It'll make the organism grow a little bit, but then it stops because the other cells aren't, you know, doing the same thing. We've got to get it so there's a culture, a condition where constant and never-ending improvement is part of this, and there's something on the other side of it beyond just that good feeling you get because you were able to fix a vehicle. And unfortunately, as technicians, sometimes that's all we walk away from Oh, is the fact that I fixed that car when nobody else could or three other shops couldn't. I lost my damn shirt on it. Look, you're talking to a guy back in 19, hold on a second, I'm going to say the year. 86 or 87 bought, I called Ford. I actually called OTC and, and was on the phone for three hours looking for Eek 3 scanners uh -huh. because I was sick and tired of not being able to get into the system. Spent five grand on the tools and fixed four cars. That's my ego writing that check. I should have just said, nope, see you later. Because it wasn't in my wheelhouse. I didn't have the tooling for it. So a big part of this is understanding. And, you know, we got to charge enough to pay right. We have to charge enough to tool up properly for the work we're going to do. We have to improve communication so we know what we're walking into. It, the days of figuring it out as we go along, that's another 1970s thought. But every time I talk about, and I think even David 
uh, and Lucas were hearing it at last week in Texas was that everybody talks about better inspections and better, like I can tell you from the tech standpoint, again, where a lot of it is like you, that inspection is supposed to be done for free or, you know, a, a, a compromise on time um, that like, you're not going to get a better inspection done or a more thorough inspection done without putting the value in that, right? Because at the end of the day, what you sell your customer is the competency of the people that work within your facility, period, end of subject. If you've got a whole bunch of tools and a whole bunch of training and a whole bunch of people that can't fix anything or won't fix anything because of the attitude or the culture that's in place in that, you have nothing. You have zero, but you've got a very good image till the people get to see, peel back the layers and see that the onion inside is rotted. You, you right? say that, but there are a lot of shops that have extremely yeah. poor reviews, spend yep. thousands upon thousands of dollars on marketing, and they keep pulling in cars. Sure they do. And the attitude is there's always another car. Yep. And they, always they another have car, a always terrible job. And on top of that, they're not selling their their competency. They're the the technicians because their technicians are, are sometimes wholly incompetent. That technician will be allowed to break, smash, do whatever, as long as that number, that warranty rate, or whatever they see it as, that dollar amount that they're, it's costing them to have them there, doesn't hit a certain threshold as a percentage of what they're able to produce. As long as it doesn't cross over that number, they don't care. But that's not. The, the but that's. Two, but that's not two. right, David. It's not right. Are you absolutely? It's not right. But you know what? There's a flipping franchise here in Kansas City has five locations, and I guarantee you, every single one of those stupid locations are doing twice as much revenue as I'm doing, and that's how they operate. Every single one of them. Every single one of them. And their attitude is. Their attitude is: there's always another car. They really mean sucker, but there's always another car. But da- always another car. David. That's how the dealers have managed to to survive. Is because with every new car they sell, they generate a new customer. Right. That's that's it. That's it in a nutshell. Right. It's the same. I can I can show you that how the tire business drives the independent shop market up here because, God damn it, if I can put four tires on your Benz. Hell yes, that customer wants to come back and have me give a whack, whack of an attempt at their brakes. And then I may get into it and I may realize that I can't reset nothing after I do their brake job. But by God, we got in there and we didn't want to tell the customer no. So every time you sell anything in this industry, there is the potential that you generate another customer. Whether it be a brand new car or a four new set four, a set of tires. Right? So it, it doesn't... You're, I feel... David, I feel exactly where you're coming from when you're talking about that five franchise. But this is why I've said for years in this industry, when we've been always about let's sing Kumbaya and pick the other person up, we've we've been needing to educate the customer about this is what happens here. Like if I had a shop tomorrow, there'd be a wall of shame. And there wouldn't be one job that I ever turned out of it that would be hanging on that wall. But you can every other sketchy thing that I ever saw, there'd be a, can, a <laughs> photo of it. And it'd be hanging on the wall and be saying, don't go here because of this. And people hate me for saying that. They think that's terrible. Oh, you like there's 
Come on with the kumbaya shit. It's been 60 years. I've been listening to that nonsense for 30 Listen, years in this industry. I've got emails. I've got emails where I'm being blasted right. for calling out. And it's, so and and so it's bullshit. Fellow shop owners. It's bullshit. Yeah, this is a fellow shop owner. We need to uplift the industry. Flip you. If this industry... This industry is in the state that it's in because of the people that preceded Because it won't police itself. I wasn't in the David. industry 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Rick, I'm not including you. You're trying to make it better with the coaching thing. But I'm just saying, these people that are in the industry trying to, quote, unquote, uplift the, uh, uplift the industry and make it better, this, that, and the other. What in the hell have you been doing for the last 30 years? What? Nothing. They've absolutely been, nothing lining your pockets that's the only thing you've been doing is lining your pockets or they've been surviving been manipulative and being screwing your customers over and justifying it in your mind because you know what you get an extra vacation and an extra house and an extra lambo sitting outside <laughs> what do you care what do you care and then i'm gonna bring that young person that they just hired and i'm gonna have him every friday afternoon i'm gonna have him wash it for me and then the wife's gonna come by with her car and he's going to wash that too. And he's going to do that everything. And then I'm going to park the new boat that I bought in the freaking front parking lot so that he can look at it. And then when he goes to get a raise, I'm going to tell him there ain't enough money. That's the reality of this industry. And if you think it's no. not, it is. It is. No, I disagree. And, and, and we're okay to disagree. There are outliers that are like that. But it's not everybody. There are a lot of people that are honest. There's also a lot of people that are afraid. And I'm going to tell you that I, I, man, I look at financials that would honestly scare the pants off of most people. And these are guys that are tired of working for somebody else and they think they're going to go work and, and, and make all this money because they see the money coming in, but they don't see what happens to it. And the yeah. truth is very much so. These guys don't know what the hell they're doing. They're afraid to ask for help. They're afraid to let anybody know they don't know what they're doing and they suffer for years and they they take advantage of their staff and their part their vendors because that's all they have the the backbone, right? You got to change your wishbone for a backbone, but that's all they can go after. Because they they don't see a way to charge what is appropriate. Yep. Agreed. I, I, I agree 110% because, you know, I was very much in the same boat, right? Very much in the same boat. And until I started working through that, we didn't overcome it. Right. And, and I, I think that's just it is that we can sit here all night and we can talk for hours and hours and hours about how it's unfair, how technicians have been treated, how it's unfair, what technicians got. And it's unfair and un unfair and not right. And this and that and the other. But the reality is until we start talking about what we're going to do to change it, how are we going to do it differently? Because we can talk all night about what's wrong. But the reality is we've got to have a conversation about what's going on, to on, fix hold it. Hold on. You're right. You're right. And I, and I agree with Rick. I would say the majority of shops, because you, you listen to a lot of shop owners and they say, I got into this industry because I wanted to do it better. I thought yep. I could do it better. I didn't want to be that shop screwing customers over and justifying it in my mind. I, w I didn't want to be that shop and I wanted to do better for my technicians. And, and you know what? Yeah, things got hard. And at some point, a lot of these shop owners are going to get are going to face the decision: 
Either I'm going to do things right, no matter what, even if it's hard, even if it doesn't mean I get that second, third, fourth, 15th location, I'm going to do the right thing, no matter what, or they sell out and they're justified however they want them justified in their minds. They'll sell out and somewhere all of a sudden that, that phrase, that tactic, that mean, that manipulation that they saw as abhorrent a couple years ago, or when they opened that first shop, now it's okay. You know why? Cause it'll pay the bills. I can now feed my family. Now I can pay yeah. my technicians better. Now I can build a better shop. Now I can take that vacation. Now I can open that second location. Now maybe I'm building churches in Guatemala, whatever, whatever your justification is, but it's still at the end of the day, you sold out, you sold out. So you need, you need yeah. to make the decision because Rick's right. Most of those shops are honest. They are Jeff. They're absolutely honest. But, They're just trying to do better for themselves and trying to do better for the family, and they want to improve the industry. But at some point, they're going to be faced with that decision. And I think, and all I'm saying is, don't sell out. Yep. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I, but I think that the biggest issue in the industry right now is the lack of people in it. Right, the qualified, competent people that you need, and I think and this, so we can, you know, and I, I love this conversation and this topic. You know, it fires me up, but I mean, we have to realize that I only speak from the vantage of the tech, right? So I only, I can tell you, I'll, t- I'll tell you, blunt, honest, why you don't have people getting into it and why you don't. You can talk about, you know, this and that and the other thing, but it's, it's those p words, man. You're the next generation coming in. We don't work like that. We don't want to listen to it. And, and Rick, I'm not picking on you. you. I'm not trying to say, and I understand that it's a tool and it's how it, but you have to change your mindset to, to like, you have to change your mindset to see. And I know it's part of how you come up with the numbers that you, you, you need to, to operate. I get it. I understand it, man. I understand it. But we have to change how we, how we entice the people getting in and how we judge them and how we justify them. And you say, because like I've had jobs that went sideways, right? And I only got paid six hours and I had 10 hours into it. And I, I sulked and bitched about it, but I took my lumps and I went on. Right. And I did that and I did that and I did that and I did that. And until eventually I got to the point where it's like, man, I'm a really good tech. Like I can, I can, I can solve some problems, man. But it always came down to when you're judging me, putting me in a column, uh, talking about performance bonuses and, and wages and stuff. It always comes back to how many jobs went wrong. How many jobs was he off on his production? None of that whoa, matters. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. That, that is, listen. That's a two-pronged problem. Okay. And you you can't just simply say, it's not fair, it's not fair, it's not fair. Okay? You can't do that because it's not the whole picture. And and the reality is, so let's talk about how we do this in my shop. Okay? okay. And, and, and Rick is the one who taught me how to do this, 100%. When we go to evaluate a vehicle, now my technicians are paid for the evaluations. Mm-hmm. Okay? They're paid for the testing. They do a level one testing routine and they come back and they either say, Hey, I have found the problem or I need to do additional testing. And here's what that looks like. Okay, cool. Whatever. What do you need? All right. We'll put it on there. Right. We'll call a client and let them know. Right. That's what we do. 
or the technician says, hey, I need to do this repair. Okay. How long is it going to take you? I think it'll take this long. Okay. That's actually less than book time or that's more than book time. Can you explain why? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, it's really rusty. Cool. Come out here and look at it. Yep. Absolutely. Rusted out. Um, You said three hours. I think I'm going to put five hours on that because nah. Right. Yep. Let's make sure we cover this properly. Now, something goes wrong in the job. It is my responsibility to call the client. Now, if we make a mistake or we screw up, that's not the client's responsibility. That's on me, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But I, as the shop owner, take that responsibility, not the technician, okay? Because that's what I do. I, I take the responsibility for what happens in the shop. It's all mine, right? We might talk about it. We might work through it and figure out how to make sure it doesn't happen again. But that lost time, it's either going to be billed to the shop or it's going to be billed to the client, right? Mrs. Client, I'm sorry. We couldn't have have foreseen this. This is clearly an issue. Here's what we've got. And this is what it means for you now. Right. Right. So, so you look, I, I think you're looking at this from the experiences you've had and Rick's sitting here trying to tell you there's a better way to do this. Right, because there is. But the majority, and we've talked about this before, the majority of the techs work for owners that aren't taking coaching from Rick, like or somebody like Rick, or or working in a shop like you and Dave would run. Guys, let's be real. And you've said that you absolutely. The majority are not going to, you know. Well, don't use me as an example. He is absolutely <laughs> well, right. It's wackadoodle stuff that I do. Um, but, 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 but listen, <laughs> it, is, so, it is absolutely. I hundred percent agree but, with him. But Jeff, hang on though. Hang on, right? What, what they need to quit those here, those shops. They need that's to quit what I was going to say. Shops. That's what we're all trying to say. A freaking men. A freaking men. We, we men. said this at the very beginning with this technician series. The minute the technicians have all the power, that was your objection to to what I said, Jeff. That technicians have all the power. The minute they say no. And they walk out the door. They grab their toolbox yes. and say, I'm going down the street or I'm going to find a better shop today. Now, they have they have a roadmap now. Maybe they didn't have that before. But you know what? Hand these stupid podcasts out and say, listen to these two idiots and do it the way Lu- – find a shop that does it the way Lucas does. And that's been, that's been why I've been sharing the heck out of this, right? This is why my uh, – right. Here's hey. the thing. Jeff, I'm going to give you a real quick story, okay? Hey, Rick. I'm 18 years old, 19 years old. Actually, I must have been 19. It was right before my uh, I got married. And um, I go to work for a shop in Cambridge as their lead rebuilder for transmissions. Uh-huh. And about a week after I started, I noticed that the owner was carrying a, a, a handgun. And I'm like, man, what kind of neighborhood am I in? And... It took me about three months to figure out why he was hand, he had the handgun. And here I am, 19 years old, lead rebuilder. And we've got, and I want to date myself now, we got two big Fords in there. And they got the C6 transmissions in them. And one's shifting too hard, one's shifting too soft. He literally drops the two transmissions down side by side. The R&R guys wash them down and paint them. And then he comes over to me and says, I want you to, you know, mark these up as a rebuild. And then switch them. And then he swapped them over. And I said, no way. 
I will not do that. He says, you're kidding me. I said, nope, you can fire me right now. I'm not doing it. And so he didn't. He had one of the rebuilders put the stuff on it and they, and they put them in the car and I quit that day. Because I will not work. Remember reputation? If I have a really good, uh, if I ha- if I care about my reputation, I am not going to work for one of those people. You know, one of the things I learned, and I wish I learned it earlier in life, my wife is amazing. Um, we just actually celebrated, what, our anniversary on Tuesday. And she taught me a long time ago that we teach people how to treat us. And honestly, we got to stop complaining. Technicians got to stop complaining about what they don't want. And they got to start finding places that give it to them and stop letting these scumbag operators stay in business by doing it. Yep. I agree. And that's the truth because there's always going to be, as long as we tolerate that kind of behavior and that kind of treatment, those kind of people will always be in our industry. But the moment we stand up and say, no, I deserve better than this. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you'd like to catch these episodes early, you can do so by becoming a patron. Just go to ASOG.site and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a patron helps support the show, gets you several perks, and is tax deductible. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and on YouTube so you never miss any of our upcoming episodes. And as always... If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, but again, no complaints, shoot me an email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy to use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to getshopware.com and see what I mean today. That's getshopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.